In this podcast, we learn to upgrade our brain and understand the power of our thoughts to heal and to create the results we want in our life. Become the person in control of your healing and make peace with your life. Become unstoppable, body and mind. All right, welcome today. We have a special guest, Dr. Andrea Moore. She's a physical therapist and pain coach, and she brings her own unique perspective to how she treats clients, and I'm excited to hear from her. And uh, welcome today, Andrea. (laughs) Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here, Betsy. Uh, Well, glad to have you. Let's start out with first talking about what brought you into chronic pain. Yeah, when I first started out as a physical therapist, um, I definitely never had any intention to move into chronic pain. I, but the universe showed me otherwise, and I was basically just given a lot of chronic pain patients. Yeah. And one of my most memorable ones was my very, very first eval, who was a woman with 40 years of back pain, with all kinds of trauma history on top of and having Ehlers-Danlos and um, multiple fractures and all, uh, all kinds of things. And I had everything that I knew felt like I had nothing to draw from because <laughs> mm-hmm. I had no idea what to do. And so be- because of her and then multiple other patients I was getting on my schedule at the time, I really started digging in a lot more into the research and learning more about chronic pain because I just very, very quickly realized that what we learned in physical therapy school was not what I needed to help her. Yeah. Can I just ask you, so, um, did you learn much about what they're teaching now with neuroscience, with central sensitization? I mean, I didn't learn any of that 20 years ago. In, in physical, it's funny because I was actually trying to think in physical therapy school, I don't think we talked, if we did, it was very, very touched upon. Mm -hmm. I was in a residency program, Mm. um, getting my like board um, certification for the orthopedic specialist OCS Mm -hmm. and we did touch on it then Mm -hmm. so I ended up kind of like both doing it on my own and then getting a lot from them Mm -hmm. but even what they taught was still it's it's very like pain science practice which we know is like it's very helpful and very limiting (laughs) Um, so honestly a lot of what I did was really through just what felt right for me. Um, because ironically in talking to people, when I would get people who were more typical physical therapy patients mm-hmm. on my schedule, and I'd, I'd ask the question, you know, you're taught to ask like, okay, you're here for your knee pain. Tell me about that. And then like, oh, does anything else hurt? Mm-hmm. And they'd be like, no. And I'm like, what do you mean? No. How does nothing else hurt? <laughs> because yeah. I personally was walking around with most of my joints hurting at all times. And I never knew that that was abnormal. Okay. I so that- tell me about that. Like how old were you? And like, tell me about the pain that you had. Yeah. So gosh, I, it's funny because my sister remembers me as a kid complaining about pain. Oh, really? Yeah. And she's like, you always complain about pain. And my parents were like, yeah, you're fine. Whatever. Suck it up. You know? Like joint pains, what kind of pains? Stomach pain? I would have, so I would have joint pains. A lot of what you describe as growing pains, but I had Mm -hmm. them like all the time. A lot. Yeah. Okay. I was very small. It's not like I was growing a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I had a lot of the the, like shooting sensation, like the lightning bolt pain, like Mm. like I'd just be sitting there and all of a sudden it was like a lightning bolt struck my arm or struck my leg, like Mm -hmm. completely out of the blue. And like, anytime I'd say something about it, everyone would just look at me like I was nuts. Mm. And I think what's what's funny is what I think I ended up making it mean was that everybody had this and I was the only one complaining about it. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, So it's like, and it took me a while to realize this because I feel like I I ended up having a very kind of different take as most people (laughs) or that, that I commonly hear. And I don't know why my brain went there, but that's what my brain made it mean. And it wasn't until... I literally, after like maybe a year of asking people this question and being told over, no, nothing, my body, the rest of my body feels fine. And I was like, huh, I guess this isn't normal. So yeah, I had a lot of joint pain too at that time. I had a lot, like I remember being in physical therapy school and like I would sit in the back row because I wouldn't be able to like sit for a certain period of time. So my hips would get so achy and sore mm-hmm. that I'd have to like get up and stretch them out. Mm-hmm. And I think because my pain was always on like 
the lower level. Yeah. Again, I assume that I was making it a bigger deal than it was. Yeah. Um, and that I was being whiny and complaining. <laughs> yeah. So that probably really affected how you treated yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Probably very hard on myself. A positive <laughs> way. No. Wow. Very, very hard on myself. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so you know, it's funny because it's like, it was such how I got to where I was now is, I mean, if I like told the whole story, I could be here for like three hours. So we're not going to do that. (laughs) Fast forward to with my work, like me learning about myself alongside having all of these clients with chronic pain. Mm -hmm. And the first route I took was so much of this like perfectionism route of Mm -hmm. like, I want them to be completely pain-free every movement they do, because I learned that if you yeah. do movements in certain ways, right? If you activate certain muscles, if you do exercises just right, you can get a lot of exercises pain-free. Like, and if I you're my- doing it with pain, that's, that's damage too, right? Like where yeah. you taught that, I mean. Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't, you know, cause I knew enough about pain science to like, be like, okay, it's not damaging, but okay. my view was like, but why do this exercise painfully? Like a step up, for instance, it was like, but if you can activate your core and activate your glutes, like you can make it pain-free for a lot of people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You're just so, shifting your focus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I you know, really realized I was doing it and it was kind of like, oh, you know, it's okay if your knees hurt when you're walking up the stairs, but like, why deal with that pain if you can just activate your glutes and, you know, yeah. control your core perfectly at all times. And then it doesn't really hurt. Right. And Yeah. So it's like, I kind of cycled in the perfectionism for a while. And because of that, I actually ended up becoming a nutritional therapist and learning a lot about like gluten and dairy and sugar and how that affects our body, Mm -hmm. Uh, which drove me further into the perfectionist of like, well, if you just ate perfectly, then all your problems would go away. Right. Right. And it it helped me a lot, actually. Like it did alleviate a good amount of my pain, but Mm. I could never stick to it. Yeah. yeah. Never in my life have I successfully done a 30 day sugar detox or any of those things. That's like, you know, the gold standard if you're a nutritional therapist. Yeah. Yeah. And so I started having yeah. massive amounts of shame for that, which is then when I found life coaching. <laughs> so like became a life coach again, and all this stuff is kind of like ha- happening simultaneously with both my like patients and myself. Mm-hmm. And then in life coaching, it was, I mean, incredibly helpful, but I hit such a plateau. And again, I was making everything being, become, be a problem, mean something wrong about me, all the like positive affirmations and positive thinking, like did not work for me. They actually made me feel worse, uh, which then yeah. made me feel like something seriously wrong with me. Cause this is working yeah. for everyone else and not me. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And then I came to more like the somatic work and trauma healing side of things. And I was like, Oh, this, this is, this is it. So what brought you into that? Do you have certain um, influences, uh, books that you read or teachers that you? Yeah. So um, there's, I don't know if you read the book, Patriarchy Stress Disorder. You heard of that? I haven't. Yeah. So there's a book, Patriarchy Stress Disorder. Um, It's written by Dr. Valerie Rain. So she and her partner, Jeffrey Tambor, have a year long like mentorship program. Mm -hmm. And so I studied under them and actually I'm like a certified, they call it a thriving facilitator under them that really teaches this somatic healing, trauma healing Mm -hmm. process. Um, So a lot of my influences from them. I also, um, I don't know if you know Joe Tata, but he has the acceptment and commitment therapy. So I had worked with him on that as well. So it was actually like the perfect, like, I don't know, like taking Joe Tata's course and then leading into that was so perfect because they just built on each other beautifully. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, Interesting. And my introduction to like the trauma world was Peter Levine. And mm-hmm. when I learned about him, I was like, this is just like what we do with processing chronic pain. Didn't you like, it's like processing trauma, processing pain, yes. pretty much it's like one in the same identical <laughs> processing emotions. Yes. And the somatic work is the key. It's going in to the sensations. It's tuning into the body. Yeah. 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 And that's really how I end up seeing pain is like as a way that's just highlighting where to go in the body mm-hmm. um, versus being something that we need to fight again and, or fight against and like, you know, fix and, you know, battle against. So, yeah. yes. So what do you think is the problem when people have that 
fighting and fixing intent? Uh, well, from, you know, 15 years of doing it with myself, um, I can tell you it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's because whenever we're making something be wrong and be a problem, the way our brain is wired is it's just then going to give us more evidence for that. Yes. And it's just training our brain to like, look for like, oh, and look where else this is a problem. And what we're doing is we're making our own body an adversary. Yes. Yeah, we're, yeah, fighting the pain. If you think about that concept, like it just, it doesn't work in essence because then there's more resistance, which is more pain. Yes. Yeah, we're like literally fighting ourselves. Yeah, yeah fighting ourselves. And I think, I don't know why it is, if it's just kind of how we're taught or it's in our biology that we think that beating ourselves up is going to be the most effective way to get ourselves to that better place. Yes. It's so, it's so ingrained. And I like, I still will find myself, I feel like I, I can feel myself like pretty almost have moved out of this thought pattern, but I just so clearly remember the thought pattern of like hearing that and like being like, treat yourself with gentleness and compassion, which is all what I teach now. Yeah. And being like, I don't think you understand, but if I do that, I will be a lazy piece of shit that will sit on the couch all day long and do nothing. Right. So I have to beat myself. Like, that is yeah. what compassion will lead to. <laughs> right. It's like the brain just goes to the yeah. other extreme and it's yes. like, it's either totally black or white and you either are like the worst and treat yourself worse than any other human. Like most of us don't even talk to other people the way that we would talk to ourselves. In fact, if someone else did the exact same thing, we'd say, good job. You tried your best. <laughs> and exactly. for us, you're like, I could have done that better. I should have done that faster and with less help. <laughs> yes, exactly. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. And the perfectionism is common with people who have chronic pain and not everyone relates to, I've had people say, I don't think I'm a perfectionist because I don't do things perfectly. <laughs> do you find that? Oh, absolutely. That was me. I was like a perfectionist in denial because okay. I was, I'm like, I'm a hot mess right now. I'm sure you know. It's like, I was like, how could I be a perfectionist? Like, have you looked at my life? Like, yeah. So, so even, okay. That's perfect to know. Like you didn't resonate with like, oh, I'm not a perfectionist. I couldn't even be a perfectionist. Cause I'm not that perfect, yeah. but you wanted to be so different. You felt like something was wrong with you as you were. Exactly. So exactly. it's still a form of trying to be perfect. Yeah, it is because, so the definition I have it pulled up because I just love this definition. I mean, it's like the Google, if you just Google perfectionism and it's the refusal to accept any standard short of perfection. Yeah. And, and it's like, when we can read that, it's one, it becomes so like ridiculous to be like, how, how can anybody do that, which again, my, my brain was like, Oh, let me show you though. Let me prove to you how I can be perfect in every way, shape or form. You know what I mean? Yes. And yeah, but I think what's so key about it is the refusal to accept, right? Because it is acceptance and allowing of what is, Yes, that is yes. the greatest thing that gives us the freedom we want in our lives and the ability to live our lives and like experience mm -hmm. happiness and joy and you know, pleasure and desire. Yeah. We can't have any of those things if we cannot accept what is. Yeah. We have to have some negative, some pain, yeah. some, you know, so that we have that contrast. And like you were saying before, the perfectionism with pain could look like, you know, I need to be pain-free completely, you know, not feeling any sensations of discomfort ever in my body. And you think about our world and you know we can adjust our temperature within a degree or two to be like the ultimate amount of comfort and we're so uncomfortable if we're like oh just slightly cold you know and 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 what do you find with like helping people accept that discomfort like come into that discomfort and sit with it yeah oh my gosh I find their world opens up yeah. Like in ways they never imagined because all of a sudden, yeah. so I feel like there's two sides or like two pieces there of, of the ability to sit with discomfort mm -hmm. 
only comes when you can, and, and like they work together, right? It only comes when you can allow what is. Yeah. And so much resistance to the allowing is like, but if I allow it, I'm going to have to admit that things aren't perfect. And I'm going to be there forever, right? Like, do yeah. people also yes. tell you that? If I, if I accept that I'm going to have pain, if I don't fight it, yes. then I'm just giving in. I'm going to have it forever. Yes. Yes. That's so common. Thank you so much for bringing that up. Because right? Yes. That is such a common fear. And, and the irony is it's the resistance that keeps it alive and yes. it. <laughs> totally the irony. It's the fighting. It's the not letting go. But if someone's in a lot of pain, you know, they're like, but it's pain. How do I accept that? How do I just be okay with that? Yeah. And, and the, the, I mean, the funny part is, is it's like, they're already in pain. Yeah. We're just seeing what already is. Like, it's, like, I mean, it's, it's not like worse. Someone, like that kind of thing. Like you're already, yeah, you're already dealing like, with what is. Yeah. Fighting it isn't like, change, like the, the, the question I ask for people too, is like, has fighting it worked? Yeah. Because yeah. You're still here, right? Like you're still like, if you're listening to this, you're probably in pain. And the reality is, is it's, if, if fighting it worked, you wouldn't be in pain anymore. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure there's scenarios that people could argue that it did work. And it's like, cool, that's awesome. Like nothing's wrong with it then. Yeah. Let's not create a problem where there's not a problem. Like yeah, exactly. if you fought your pain and it worked, awesome. But you're probably not listening to this podcast. Though. Yeah, <laughs> it's the reality, right? Or you're probably not hiring me as a as a coach. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so I feel like one, a lot of the issue isn't about like it, it's got to be you have to do these steps or do it this way, right? It's just like is what you're doing working for you and giving you the life that you desire? And do you feel like you're living your life to the fullest? And if you are keep doing what you're doing. You don't need yeah. to change anything. Right. right? And but chances not, are your body has brought you to this work because yes. the way you've been living is unsustainable. It's not yeah. working to beat yourself up constantly. It's not working to think that you need to constantly be giving to other people and not taking care of yourself. Like that's the reason your body is screaming at you. So yeah, this is your, you know, this is a gift to you to change that whole paradigm of, you know, something's wrong with me if I'm not, you know, functioning the best and working 12 hours a day and, yeah. you know, the top of everything and yeah. perfect at everything. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. And it's like, what if nothing was wrong with you and everything was wrong with like the system that you're living in or like the, your environment, you know what I mean? Maybe that's where like, that's not where you're meant to be. It doesn't even have to be something wrong with the environment. It just might not be the fit for you, right? Yeah. Like maybe you're working a job that is just not aligned with you. And maybe it's going to be aligned beautifully with somebody else. Mm -hmm. Or maybe it's part of a bullshit patriarchal system, but that's a different yeah. <laughs> You know what I mean? But it's, yeah, like right. so much of what we make a problem and make to be something that needs to be fixed Sometimes there is, but most of the time with my clients, it's not, it's not even actually a problem. The problem is the brain is perceiving it as a big problem. And we need to treat that seriously. That's not to undermine that response, right? Because right? if the brain is seeing it as a threat, we need to address it accordingly. Because if we try to be like, oh, come on, it's see clearly, it's not an issue. See, you know, and like, um, not give it that uh, like levity that it needs, then the brain's going to be like, you're not listening. Yes. You see this threat and it's going to yes. retaliate and like make it even bigger. Right. Right. But when you can like meet the brain and be like, oh my gosh, like you're really scared. Yes. Like this is so scary to you because it, because it is not like it's a very authentic meeting it where it is. Right. Validation of what it's experiencing and feeling it. it it's only from that place of like the full validation of what its experience is. Can we then come into allowing and then start to shift? Mm -hmm. It's been heard and seen. Yes. yes. Do you have any favorite tips or advice or actual strategies when people are in that pain and 
you know, all of the like thinking different thoughts is not helping. And it it's really to see if, if there was one strategy I could teach people, it would be like the allowance. And I feel like allowance, like I feel like I can't tear, take it apart from like sitting with discomfort. Mm-hmm. Um, so because, for example of sitting with discomfort, like allowing that there's discomfort with sitting. Yeah. Yeah. And, just, yeah. Allowing that the discomfort is present. Uh-huh. Like if you're feeling pain, and you're fighting it and trying to do all these things, you know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah, what, mm-hmm. what podcast can I listen to? What thoughts can I think? What foam roller can I get on? What exercise, yeah. you know what I mean? This constant struggle is instead come to a place of like, wow, in a lot of pain right now. Mm. I'm really feeling that pain in my back. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm using like the somatic work to like map it out mm-hmm. and and like really, but you don't, even, you don't even have to do the somatic. You don't even have to like map it out if you don't know what that means. But it's just like really just being like, it is present. And that yes. makes me feel really scared. Mm-hmm. But right now I feel really angry about it. Yeah. And it's just like naming that. Yeah. And once you come to a place of like, okay, like it is here just in this moment. Mm-hmm. Because that's all we're talking about is in this moment. Yes. And I'm uncomfortable and I'm still alive. I'm still safe. Mm-hmm. Like no one is trying to kill me right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah, there's not a literal tiger chasing me. Yeah. I'm not in threat of dying, like in this yeah. very moment from danger. And noticing often if it's the first time you've done this, that there's probably going to be a ton of resistance that happen- happens to doing that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, also taking the step back to be like, oh, I see you resistant. I'm yeah. resistant to doing that. And this is okay. Of course I'm resistant. This is yep. brand new. Yeah. It's there's like just nothing, taking a step. step there's back. nothing. Yeah. yeah. There's nothing wrong with the fact that I cannot allow right now. I'm going to allow that I'm not allowing. Yes. And if you have resistance to that, step back. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, how much can you step back and give it space? Yeah. And be okay with like, I'm going to fully allow that I'm full of shame and resistance and anger and, you know, whatever thing that you've made wrong. Mm-hmm. And be like, and right now, this is present and I'm, I'm alive. Yeah just labeling it. I mean, we learn this as coaches that, and it's in science, it's neuroscience, that if you label your emotions, that it takes it from the amygdala, the center of fight or flight to the prefrontal cortex is where you're actually thinking more logically. And so the same thing, when you react to a sensation in your body with different, you know, words with neutrality, you know, just that calm describing it, even that rewires your brain. It helps, you know, teach it that it's not in danger. It down regulates your nervous system and, and puts you more into that, you know, logical, calm place. Yes. Yes. You said that so beautifully. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's amazing how, um, it ties to the other areas of life and of coaching that basically acceptance of what is, is mindfulness, Mm -hmm. It's being in the moment rather than the future or the past. Yeah. And, and, and that's what you do when you focus on labeling, when you focus on just being with the sensation, you're in the moment. You're not thinking yeah. about all the things you can't do and how hard this is and why it's happening yeah. just with the sensation. And then do you find that people will then start to say, well, how often do I need to do this? And how, you know, What's the fastest way that I can like, (laughs) how many times can I do it a day to get out of pain fastest, right? (laughs) Absolutely. And because my clients are perfectionists and type A and, you know, want to know step-by-step and everything. Absolutely. And that's where I think the allowing the discomfort is so important because being in that state of, and I use the word acceptance and allowance interchangeably. I Mm -hmm. I like the word allowance better because I feel like acceptance feels so resigned for people, even though it's not, but it's like it has that association. Whereas allowance can sometimes feel a little more open. So that's something to play with if you 
if you've heard the word acceptance and it doesn't, it kind of like makes your body like, eh, just try allowance instead in place and see if it, whatever one, whatever lights you up more, like makes you happier. It doesn't matter which word you choose. Right. Um, whatever makes your nervous system happier, but yep. feel it in your body. <laughs> yeah. Whatever that, whenever we're in allowance and we're not used to that and we're living in that present moment, it's really fucking uncomfortable. It is. It's the worst. Yeah. 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 Which is why sitting with discomfort then or being able to be with discomfort is so important because we, what happens I find more often is I find within sessions, people will do really well. They're being guided. They're given the space and time and attention and validation. And oftentimes they really can come into allowance within a session, you know, with some ease. Yeah. Cause you're like, I think of it as co-regulating, like you're helping kind exactly. of like co-regulate exactly. their nervous system with them. Yes. And that's why I think having a coach like yourself or myself is so important, especially if you like cannot get there yourself. Like sometimes you need another nervous system to give you that safety. Yes. And, and that actually is a, that. it's a good point on the nervous system level. Cause if you think of our fight or flight and survival, like going into yourself, like kind of abandoning, like that awareness of the external, like it's kind of dangerous to your nervous system. If you think of like, you know, a tiger could come and eat you. Right. So having someone just be there so that you can tune into yourself, does help you feel safer. Like someone's got your back. Someone's like looking out for you kind of yeah. in that primitive way too. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Like I feel like you cannot like underestimate the value of that. Cause I think another tendency is for people, especially women to want to do it on their own and feel yeah. like they have to do it on their own and that they don't like, I shouldn't have to pay for that and things like that. And it's like, Honestly, if you want to get there the fastest, hire a coach. Like, yeah. Absolutely. And if I can't do it on my own, it means something's wrong with me. Exactly. And it's like, no, that's actually like we have mirror neurons and, you know, we co-regulate, like we are very social beings. So it's actually your brain doing exactly what it's designed to do. You're, you're not alone. Nothing is wrong with you. Yeah. And, um, but then I find, yeah, when people are then outside of the sessions, it's often, you know, it's like, okay, practice this on your own and do that, that they get so uncomfortable mm-hmm. in that thing. So in that place. And so one, it's, it's helping to build safety in discomfort. Mm-hmm. So what I actually encourage people to do too, is to a lot of times there are certain areas of most people's lives where they actually experience a lot of discomfort but it's so natural and second nature that they don't even associate this discomfort anymore. And they're really good at it. Oh yeah. I bet that's true. What examples do you yeah. have of that? So, so, so for somebody, and I know it, it depends on, you know, the clientele that's listening here, but like, or the people who are listening, but if somebody who's exercising a lot and they're used to like the muscle burn and like, you know, the, the discomfort of the heart rate and stuff like that, they already like, if, if they like that, that's a great place of like, that's literal discomfort. There's people who experience those same sensations and think they're dying. You know oh my I mean? gosh, and Andrea, like, yeah. yeah. As Go a ahead. physical therapist, I've had a patient like that that was like, this really hurts. She's doing bicep curls. She's like, this really hurts. Mm-hmm. And it took me like 10 minutes to actually get that she just like was feeling her muscles contracting. Yes. And yeah. she had just like associated that with pain. Yes. Yeah, that's something that's, oh my gosh, that's such a good point. Because a lot of times I'll ask people like, you know, if, when I was in the clinic and doing exercises, it was like, where is it hurting? And a lot of times if they're pointing to the muscle belly, yeah, my reaction would be like, awesome. That's exactly yeah. what's supposed to be happening. Right. They're, right. They're, they're, yeah. They take, so, yeah. and that's a good example where they're taking a discomfort because mm-hmm. it's uncomfortable. They haven't experienced and the brain has made it mean something. It's not, it's made it mean yes. it's a threat. Yes. And, you know, as physical therapists, we can assure you that if you're feeling like what a muscle burn should be in the muscle belly and we can, and the exercise is activating that muscle and it all is like, you know, giving us that information to be like, it's actually just your muscle contraction. Yeah. And then a lot of times when you just tell someone that and they can have that and they know your expertise in that, they're like, oh, and like, you can almost make a shift right then and there. Yep. Yeah. But then also, um, if you already 
are someone who's like, oh, I'm fine with muscle burning. I'm finding, you know, fine with heart rate. It's like, notice that those are uncomfortable sensations that you're really, really good at make, yeah. make seeing the growth potential and seeing where it benefits you. And that sometimes yes. it's even fun and yeah. be like, Ooh, Hey brain, look, we're really, really good at experiencing discomfort over here. Yeah. We've experienced discomfort and we haven't died. This is fantastic. We have all this evidence already. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I always or think maybe, of, yeah, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. As you say, if, if like someone has birthed a child yes. and, and raised a baby, like, I feel like that's another one. Like yeah. there's no way that you've gone through that process and not experienced a ton of discomfort. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. Like emotionally, physically, True. from just sleep deprivation and it just being like, you know what, we've done it. Maybe I'm not where I want to be in it, but I'm alive. And yeah. like at the end of the day, if you can just convince your brain you're alive, you don't have to like it. You don't have to like whatever. Oh it's just like, brain, we did not die. Discomfort has not killed us. Yeah. They can start to build this safety around yes. discomfort. And like, have fun with it. Like, make it funny. Like, humor yeah. always helps too. Yeah, <laughs> like, for yeah. sure. Um, I was thinking of the example of, I love the example of like your foot falling asleep. I mean, that yes. is the ultimate discomfort. It is not oh good at all. But it, you know that it lasts like a minute, maybe max. And so, although it's unpleasant, you know what I mean? You just have, you're not like, oh my gosh, it's going to ruin my day. You know what I mean? You're just, totally. Like, I totally get over this. It doesn't mean anything. I had yeah. my foot in a weird position. You can rationalize it. Your brain understands it. And so the discomfort is totally manageable. Yeah. Ruin your day. That's such a good example. And so, yes. And so like bouncing off that is like, then I would, I would encourage someone to do if, if they really have a lot of discomfort with feeling discomfort, right? Is it's like, anytime something like that happens, like next time your foot falls asleep and you have to you have no choice but to go through that discomfort, then celebrate yourself. Like, yes, we did it. Like we had the discomfort and we made it through. And like, again, like yeah. be silly about it. Or like you can, again, do it. You don't even have to have the experience. You can think back on an experience and be like, oh my God, we did that. And like, again, have fun, celebrate yourself. Yes. And then that starts to bring, it starts to just one break up this brain cycle of like <gasps> dread, discomfort, death. You know what I mean? It's yes. like this like spiral downwards and your brain's like, what? Huh? What? <laughs> yeah, our brains are so black and white. Sometimes it yeah. even feels unsafe to like celebrate or to be happy. Oh, yeah. Like, don't you find a lot of people, sometimes my clients will even be like, I was going to email you because I was feeling so good during the week, but I didn't want to jinx myself. So, yes. you know, like it's, just recognize that there's sometimes discomfort, even with going into fun and pleasure and celebration. So just, just, oh my gosh. That. Yes. Thank you so much for bringing up. This is, this is a huge part on like my own personal yes. journey. It's like my nervous system does not feel safe being safe. <laughs> I know. Isn't it crazy? Um, yeah. Right. Like it's like, yeah. that's dangerous. Cause then you're like, you let your guard down maybe or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for me, it's like, I, I don't know how much you talk about, like, I like I go into them, like the ancestral piece and like, oh, let's talk about that stuff. a little. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, sure. I think I've mentioned it, but um, uh -huh. very briefly. So tell me more. You're, I think you said you're from an immigrant family. Yeah. Yeah. So my parents are both immigrants from Czechoslovakia when it was Czechoslovakia. So they both escaped under communist rule and both have like crazy stories of coming over here. Yeah. And I mean, both had to leave everything behind. I mean, like super traumatic experiences. And then my dad's, both of his parents, like my mom or my grandma was in Auschwitz. My grandpa oh. was in a concentration camp and oh. a labor camp and they both lived but it's like wow. in my lineage what in like listening to their stories kind of what I've pieced apart like taken out of it is that before these things happened they like all were living really good lives mm. they were living like really wow. like happy like safe had a lot of like good marriages good relationships with each other mm -hmm. and it's like everything was stripped away wow yeah and so I think for my nervous system, it's like, it like, you know, I have a husband who loves me and a, you know, super funny four-year-old who just like this bundle of joy and like 
in the past couple of years, my nervous system was like, Ugh! and I'm like, what is happening? Like, it should be good. And it's almost like the more like love I received, the more my nervous system was like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. Now this is more dangerous. Now there's yeah. more to take away. Yeah. Sometimes people like, block themselves from that love yeah. because they are so scared that if they let themselves really, you know, yes, really open exactly. up to that, that that's dangerous. Yes. Yes. So that's like incorporating oh, the ancestral yeah. trauma piece and like clearing and healing and stuff has been such a huge part of my journey because it's like, I literally can feel like a weight, like lifted off my nervous system when it's like, this yeah. is not mine. Like we can yes. the safety, like update it to the safety of 2021, you know, yes, relative safety. <laughs> and cause it is like, yeah, there's shit going on in the world, but ultimately like we have more safety than we've ever had. Yeah. And I think that's why we're that's seeing true. this collective nervous system freak out because yeah. I think for many, many nervous systems, whether or not you're aware, you know, aware of any direct trauma, yeah. you're a human on this planet, your lineage has had trauma. Like, please, exactly. like, no one got out of that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think of my um my ancestors and they're from very, very religious lineage. Mm. And so yeah. I think there was always, you know. I sometimes just have these very primal feeling fears of like, I'm not doing it right. Like I'm not yes. good enough. Like, so I think that comes through because of my, you know, heritage. Oh my gosh. Yes. And we do know that, that, you know, genetics actually change when, when the parents are under stress, right? Like it changes for generations, the way that their offspring re reacts to stressful situations. Yes. 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 Like trauma absolutely is passed down through the DNA. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. I think religious trauma is like a, a big one. It's really, yeah. really common. Yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating and, and definitely can tie into that perfectionism and, and a real feeling of not being safe if you're not perfect, you know, like eternal consequences. And I think what's so interesting too, to shake things up is like, what are we even defining as perfect? Right. I know, right. I think for women, especially, especially with that type of like religious upbringing and, and things like that, what we're defining as perfect is, is been what like, again, society has given us, which is usually what the perfect woman is the most selfless woman. It's like a woman right. who has completely lost themselves in the yeah. service of yeah, others. Totally. Which is like, a recipe for chronic pain. Yes. And it's like, yes, complete detachment from yourself. And yeah. so for a woman who is in touch with herself, in touch with her own desires, her own passion, her own body, that's like the ultimate threat because those women were literally killed. Yeah, totally. So that's interesting. I know that you had mentioned something to me before about the fact that you don't have mom guilt. You've never had mom guilt. And I think that would be so interesting for, you know, for me and for our listeners, yeah. but that's kind of one of those cases in point of like, how, you know, our nervous system might interpret something as dangerous and something is not. And for me, you know, just even being a working mom was already like, yeah. you know, I can't be perfect just because of that. And so I think mom guilt, I was like, I think all moms just have mom guilt, but tell me more. I'm like fascinated. Yeah. I know. I don't, yeah, that would just came through as a funny one when you asked me like unique things about me, because I was just like, I don't know. I'm just, I feel inclined to say this. Like, and and I well, think I think it's helpful. People need to hear yeah. this. I, I already know, even though I don't know what it is, but I mean, I, I, know I we think need a it. huge reason is, is because of the work I've done yeah. around a lot of these things prior to having a child. Okay. But I also think a lot of it does, it's like the more I think about, you know I mean? I haven't like really sat down and like put tons of thought into this, but I do think part of it is like, we have all these trauma adaptive patterns, right? And we tend to, again, we tend to make them mean something that is wrong with us and something that's bad. And honestly, I kind of think some of the trauma adaptation for me is, is there's this little bit of like, I mean, whatever's going to happen happens. Like at this point, like shit hits the fan. Like, I mean, I'm kind of, my nervous system is kind of expecting it to. Yeah. So for whatever reason, when I had my child, like, don't get me wrong. Like I absolutely like love and adore him and you know all of that but I never really like there was always the sense of like 
if something happens, it happens. Like yeah. I do it. I know that I'm doing the best I can. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't know. And I think that's, I do think that is pretty unique that most women don't have that. Like, you know, I, like I wasn't waking up to check on him if he was sleeping, like I was sleeping in my bed. I was like, Oh my God, I'm going to go get some sleep. Like yeah. I wasn't worried about it. And it's like, yeah, we have like, I mean, we didn't even have a video monitor. We had a sound monitor. That was it. But like, yeah. I was like, I know I, I can trust that I put him to bed in the safest possible way that I know how. And yes. it's all I can do. And um, part of him, like one of my biggest goals is him growing up to be himself and me yeah. like not hindering that. Yeah. So I think a lot of that is like, I'm just doing the best I can with what I know. And I keep getting more information about who he is as a person, but like, I don't know who he is. Like, I'm still learning that too. So it's almost like we're learning it together. <laughs> and you're modeling for him that you yeah. don't have to be perfect in order to be loved. Yeah. And you don't have to be a perfect adult. And, you know, you're just, you're modeling what you would want him to learn through yeah. taking care of yourself and through, you know, not expecting to, um, do things a certain way and beating yourself up. Yeah. I mean, we think sometimes that this like mom guilt is serving us, like it's making us a better mom somehow. But if you compare the two, you yeah. know, someone in mom guilt is probably, you know, a, a constellation of ineffective behaviors that's causing more distress to themselves and their family. Yes. And, yes. and I, yeah. And although the, so the not having mom guilt might seem like, oh, that's, you know, like, oh, how could you not wake up 10 times and check on your baby? Well, that's probably going to make for a happier mom the next day. And you know what I mean? Like, it's yes. almost like counter our gut instinct of like what's safe or what's needed or what's what we should do. But yeah. if you really compare the hypervigilance versus having a regulated nervous system where you adapt to things as they come. You don't want to be in hypervigilance all the time. You're not thinking your best there anyway. Exactly. Oh my gosh. It's so well said. Yes, absolutely. And like, yes, I mean, yeah, at the end of the day, like when you are sleeping instead of checking on him, you know what I mean? You can be show up as a better mom the next day. And like your presence can be fuller yes. and more attentive and, and everything like that, because so much of mom guilt, like takes us out of the present moment. Yeah. And yes. a lot of it is ultimately, again, it's creating a problem where there's not a problem. Like, yeah. why is it a problem that your kid just ate half of a grape and then decided he was done? That's what he chose. Okay, so his body's telling him, like, why make it a problem? You know what I mean? So we can, like, create so many issues. And don't get me wrong. I'm not, like, completely exempt from this. There are times where I absolutely, I'm like, ah! But most times when I find myself in the spiral, I am creating a problem where there is not a problem. And my kid is a great example. Like, I feel like our children are here on earth to just teach us what we need to be, we need to learn ourselves. Yep. And my child, you know, what's the, I can't even think of the expression. I was going to say sings to the beat of his own drum. I don't even know if that's the expression, but you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. D- yeah. Dances, whatever. He dances. He, yeah, he, dances. he yeah. sings, he dances, he yells. Whatever. He does whatever. Literally, he just does whatever he wants. Like he yeah. is like. I just, we like had an open house. It was like, the kids were all like supposed to do something as like, you know, all at the same time. And he was just like off doing his own thing. Like he yeah. just does whatever he wants. And so it's very early on. I had to like, like, I mean, he did this from like six months old, like bringing him to like a baby class. You know what I mean? He was uh-huh. just like, why would I do whatever the people are telling me? I'm going to go work, look over here, you know, like would never do what he was quote unquote supposed to do. And when I just didn't make it a problem, when I was like, oh, that's awesome. He's just being Remy and he's just being himself. Yeah. And it just like releases all this anxiety. And I'm like, okay, well, we're just not going to come back to this class. It's not really fun for him, but like, let's go over here and we can explore him, you know, what he wants to do over here. Oh, you know, I love that so much because you could take that exact same situation. A parent could totally watch their child like a hawk, be comparing my child's not doing this. All the other children are wanting them to be, you know, kind of more of this, like, conformist like sheep attitude and here like you know you're able to like see it for what it is and actually foster something that is going to be like I would say better for him in the long run better for you in the long run because you're not like fighting this little you know like free spirit and probably better for like society in the long run right to to be this kind of person that 
feel safe enough to march to the beat, march, to march to the the beat of his own drum. Yes. (laughs) And I think it's such what what this speaks to too. And I think this is, I'm so glad we're talking about parenting because I think sometimes when you take it out of chronic pain, you can sometimes see it better, right? Like when you're like wrapped in something, well, I mean, I don't know if you're wrapped in parenting, you might not, but anyways. No, my are teenagers, so there's a difference, that? Oh, but yeah, I'm not in the sure. like the four-year-old yeah. stage. Oh, bless yeah. your heart. Very different stages. Very different. But what I think people hear when I say things like that is they assume that it's like almost to a point of neglect, right? We associate yes. this yes. not making something a problem with being yes. neglectful. That's the and black and white. Yes, and it's not. It's not like one, I do a ton of reading about parenting. I do a ton, like constantly learning. I'm incredibly engaged with a parenting and always learning it myself, learning at my own triggers, like very, very engaged. And it's like, let's say he has a cold or a fever. Okay. Let's use that as like a very easy example is rather than make it a problem and like kind of freak out about it. Like I see a lot of moms do and no like judgment on that. Like I I get it. Yeah. It's like, rather than be like, oh my gosh, he has a fever. What's wrong? What do I need to do? Blah, blah, blah. It's like, I can step back and like really from a calm, neutral place, just like really evaluate the like circumstances of what is happening. Like he has a fever. It's only a hundred degrees. He's eating, he's drinking. He seems totally fine. I'm not seeing anything that's wrong. I'll check back in in two hours or what, you know, whatever. I mean, obviously I'm there. He's four. Like I'm always around. Bye. Yeah. But it's like, it, 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 like, it doesn't need to be a problem. I can trust because I mean, I have the knowledge too yeah. of like the immune system of like, oh, the immune system is fighting something off. This is exactly what is supposed to be happening. Yeah. There's nothing wrong here. Yeah. And yeah. when he was five weeks old, just as a like other ways, he woke up and it was the hottest I have ever felt another human being. He had a temperature of 105 degrees at five weeks old that I did like took action on. Yeah. And of course I freaked out. He was five weeks old. But honestly, I think even now, like I was able to approach it from like, you know, I calmed myself down of like, okay, like what action needs to be taken? Yeah. What attention does he need? And from that place, you can provide much better care. It's yes. not like a neglect of care. Yes. It's a, let me take action from a neutral place from like, where I can like really fully evaluate what's going on versus that place of hypervigilance, anxiousness, yes. which often that clouds our judgment and we yes. cannot take necessarily the best action. Or yes. we, we take an action that sometimes is overblown and whatever it is, it's always better to take an overblown action than the case of like a sick child, like whatever it happens, it's fine. But like, again, don't make it wrong if you've done this. It's just noticing of like how much stress and anxiety have has been caused in your life because we assign something to be a problem when there's just not a problem where the brain's doing what it's supposed to do, the body's doing what it's supposed to do. And maybe yeah. we're like, oh, okay, yeah, there's a giant cut and it's gushing blood. That's what the body's supposed to do. And it would probably help if I put a band-aid on it. That's yeah. fine too. That's always a good yeah. idea. Like it's not bad to then have a reaction. Yeah, to you it. can still take action. <laughs> yes. Like you're I like, mean- I love. I love this open wound. I'm accepting it. I'm going to allow the blood to just flow. (laughs) You know, you like, you take action. Yeah. And the other thing I think of a lot is like the stress response is really when we have this idea, like I'm not going to be able to handle it. I can't do it. It's too much. So just, you know, that acceptance and like, it is what it is and, and I can handle it, you know, just even thinking those types of things, like I, you know, this will be okay. I know what to do. That will help, you know, with that stress response and just noticing if you're in that stress response, that probably means you think you can't handle something. So sometimes I can do the reverse. Like I'll be in shutdown. I'm in overwhelm and I'm like, wow, my brain thinks that having, you know, three items to do is a mortal danger. That's fascinating. Like I'm totally in freeze. And all that's happening is like, I feel like I have too much to do. So, mm-hmm. you know, you can just kind of like approach it from that way. And just, again, it's just that like narrating what's going on, understanding, having compassion for yourself, not 
overreacting to things that aren't important, not dissociating or underreacting from like things that need your attention. Oh, I love that. I love that. Like I can like that take on that of um, the stress response. I've actually haven't heard it phrased like that. So I think that's awesome about the, like, just being able to like handling and trusting it. And I just want to add to that too, of like that handling doesn't handling it doesn't mean you need to do it by yourself. Yes. might be like, I'm making a call to get the yes. help. Like sometimes my handling it is I'm hiring a coach to help me through this. Yes. <laughs> like, sure. I have the tools, yes. but I, sometimes I, I need help. I don't want to do it by myself. Right. And, <laughs> and we know we this from like exercise, people hire personal yes. trainers all the time. It's not a you know, judgment on you. If you like have to hire a trainer, it's yeah. like, you're smart. You're, you're efficient using your resources, the best way yeah. to get you the most effective results in the most efficient time with support. I mean, yeah. versus, you know, you can do it on free watching YouTube videos, but if you have that support, it's a whole different experience. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Well, speaking of that, let's just talk a little bit about how people can find you and um, we'll put some links in the show notes. Awesome. Yeah. Um, the best place to find me is on Instagram. It's kind of where I hang out the most. So I'm at Dr. Andrea Moore. Um, and then I do have a podcast called the Unleaving Chronic Pain Podcast. And I am actually moving away from working one-on-one with people. And I'm actually going to be launching a course hopefully February 1st. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'm not going to, don't, don't hold me to that date, but that is the plan, February 1st. <laughs> That's really going to be walking through how to sit with discomfort, how to allow, and like really making, you know, a lot of space for that. If you're someone who struggles with perfectionism, if you related to all of that, mm-hmm. th- that is what we're focusing on for women with chronic pain. Mm-hmm. And there, if you follow me on Instagram um, or get on my mailing list or both, you'll definitely start to see things come out about that because I will be talking about that more. So yeah. Okay. All right. Well, thanks so much. We had such a fun discussion today. That was really great talking to you. And um, thanks again for coming on. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) All right. Have a great rest of your day. Yeah, you too. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you learned a little bit about your brain today that helps you in your life like it helped me. Please be sure and subscribe and leave a review. And of course, be sure and share this podcast with someone you know that wants an unstoppable body and mind.